This is John Finnamore's souvenir programme. So, Laura, what's your new guy like then? Oh, are you seeing someone? Uh, yeah, just started, yeah. Well, so, what's he like? Well, you know, it's still very early days, but I like him. I really like him. Oh, that's great. Well, who is he? Are we allowed to know? Yeah, yeah, I think you both know him, actually. Ed Reachman? Oh, oh yeah, yeah, we know him a bit. He's really nice, isn't he? Yeah, yeah, Ed, he's a great guy. Yeah, he's really funny. <laughs> he is funny. Yeah, really, really funny guy. And not violent at all. <laughs> What? I said he's not violent. Not at all. He's not violent? No. And as you say, he's funny. Yeah, but but did he used to be violent? No, no, that's the great thing about him. He's never been violent. (laughs) But his friends are? Are they? I didn't know that. (laughs) And all the more credit to him for not being that. Tom? No, No, really, I I don't know what Nick means at all. It's not violent. No, that's what I said. (laughs) But if he's not, why would you say he wasn't? (laughs) You've answered your own question there, haven't you? Nick, if you told me you were going out with someone and I said, oh, great, she never sets fire to things, what would you think? I'd be pleased. You wouldn't be a bit worried, a bit unsettled? No. Well, I suppose I might wonder why you hadn't said whether or not she was violent. Right, fine, well, um... I think I'm going to go. No, Laura, don't. No, I think I will. Bit of a walk. See you. Bye. Nick, wouldn't it just be easier to tell her that you fancy her? No, no, no. (laughs) It's not my style. I'm just going to subtly put her off every other man in the world. (laughs) Welcome to the Pittman Museum of Fine Arts. For the standard audio tour of the collection, press 100. For a guide aimed at older children, press 200. And for a guide aimed at five-year-olds, press 300. You've selected the audio tour for (laughs) five-year-olds. To begin, enter the large vaulted gallery across the hall. Devoted chiefly to artifacts from the civilizations of ancient South Asia, it contains arguably one of the most fascinating exhibits in the whole museum. You can find it between the big pot and the carpet with all the crossmen fighting. <laughs> and it's a quite remarkable example of an early 21st century fire extinguisher. <laughs> Made in 2008 by C.H. Sharp and Company, fire extinguishers like this one are used every day by real firemen in yellow hats. It's a very different world from ours, but... Perhaps we can get just a sense of what it must be like for them by running round and round the room pretending to be a fire engine. (laughs) Ninor, Ninor. (laughs) When you finish doing that, step through the arch to your right into the gallery of the early Flemish masters, where, if you stand on tippy-toes and look out the window, you can see a lorry. Can I have a word with you, son? Any time you like, Moon. (laughs) Well, look, don't take this the wrong way, but I was wondering if you would mind, possibly, just backing off a bit. From you? From me, and from the Earth. OK. Might be tricky. Uh, why, though? Well, it's just the Earth and I are getting on really well at the moment. Oh, yes? Yeah, we've got this shared interest in tides. And... <laughs> 
thing is, when you come round every day, it's making me look a bit bad in comparison. Oh, right. Yeah. Uh, There I am, shining my hardest, illuminating everything, and you know what they call it? Night. Oh, dear. Uh, So, let's see if I've got this straight. You want me to back away from the Earth, leaving the Earth where it is? Please. And you want me to stop coming round the Earth so often? Would you mind? I I just think it would make me look better. Uh, Leaving aside certain practical difficulties, better in what way? Well, you know, brighter. (gasps) Oh, I see. You want me to go further away so that your light, the light you shine, will seem brighter? Yes. Is that so hard? It's quite hard. (laughs) It's just when I'm compared every day with a vast miasma of incandescent plasma like you, I can't help feeling a bit... Eclipsed. (laughs) I knew you weren't fine with that. How many times do I have to say I'm sorry? No, I am fine with it. It was funny. Hey, Earth, look, look, I'm as big as the sun. Oh, it was a funny joke. (laughs) Yeah, because it's so untrue. So untrue. Yes. I know. But anyway, look, I'd like to help. I'd be quite happy to move away, leave you and the Earth where you are and let you beam forth your powerful moonlight in peace. Thanks. I just don't think it's possible. Not possible? No, sorry. Right, fine. No worries. Stuck up sod. (laughs) Thinks the world revolves around him. Have you heard the good news about Jesus? No, what is it? Matt West have approved his mortgage application. <laughs> so he's going to buy that flat in Sirencester. Oh, that's great. Where's he staying till then? He's going back to see his family in Portugal. And he's invited us to go and stay with him. That's amazing. What a friend we have in Jesus. Amen. <laughs> Hear my plight, O mighty King Solomon, whose wisdom is praised above all things. Oh, not all things. Just a lot of things. Great king, this woman stole away my child in the night and now saith that it is hers. Is that what you saith? Aye, and I say it truly. This woman here, a wise and sagacious king, pretends my own child is hers, that she might take it from me. Right, so you both say the kid's yours? Yes. All right, then which of you can tell me this? What is his name? Aaron. Eli. Aha! Of course, for this to work, I need to know what his name really is. Uh, What is it? Eli. Aaron. Ah, I thought that might work. Uh, okay. Oh, ah, try this. What colour are his eyes? Brown. Brown. <laughs> really? You're, you're both saying brown? They are brown. You sure? Because if when I take my hand away, it turns out they're not brown, you both lose. So, simple game theory would suggest that one of you should switch to blue. <laughs> no? Neither of you? Okay, let's have a look. Yep, they're brown. Oh, I know. Let's put him in between you, you both call him, and see who he comes to. He can't walk. No, but he can sort of wriggle about, can't he? No. Oh. To be honest, then, that beats me why you're both so keen on him. <laughs> oh, I've got it now. This is a really good one. Bring me a sword. A sword? What, what do you want a sword I'll for? I'll tell you what I want a sword for, thank you. With this sword, I shall divide the living child in twain and give half unto one and half unto the other. That's just stupid. It's not stupid. It's the wisdom of Solomon, so shut up. It is stupid. <laughs> You'd just kill him. Yeah, I know I'd kill him. I know what swords are for, thank you very much. It's the only way to be fair. It's not fair, it's crazy. Don't worry, he's not going to do it. It's a trick. I am going to do it. I'm going to cut him in half. Right now. (laughs) With this sword. (laughs) Unless one of you stops me. Because I am a wise and just king. (laughs) I will now bisect... (laughs) 
this little baby. Oh, come on, one of you back down. No. I wasn't going to do it, but you know what? Now I'm going to have to. Do you want it done lengthways or down the middle? No, no get it up. Don't both say it. <laughs> What's the point of you both saying it? Well, what did you think? One of us would go, oh, well, half a dead baby's better than no baby. <laughs> yes, I thought only the mother would give up her claim to save the baby. No, we both like the baby. That's the whole problem. You're, you're an idiot. Well, look, I'm sorry. I'm trying my hardest here. I'm sorry if my wisdom's not wise enough for you. I'm just trying to do the right thing for little Isaac. His name's Eli. Uh, uh, no, it's, um... Aha! Uh, Aaron! Too it's Aaron. late! Damn it! The wisdom of Solomon, ladies. Never underestimate it. <laughs> This gallery is devoted to the masterpieces of the Italian Renaissance, but they're all boring. (laughs) There is one of a horsey, but whilst it is a capable rendering, it is badly let down by the artist's failure to show the horsey doing a poo. (laughs) However, you may notice something about this gallery that's rather special. It's really, really long and thin, and although there's carpet down the middle, fascinating, this has been removed at either side, revealing the highly polished wood that lies beneath. (laughs) It is thought by many that if we were to take off our shoes and run as fast as possible, we could do epic skitties. (laughs) Skitties! This summer, an epic motion picture brings you the romance, the danger, the compulsion of the only remaining form of transport we haven't done a film about yet. Stoppable, the tram story. Starring Ollie Rockberger as Sam the Tram Armstrong. Sam, please, I'm begging you, stay away from the trams. Can't do it, Sue. I'm a tram driver. Trams are what I drive. Say the trams are killing you. God damn it, Sue. If I have to live without trams, ain't I already dead? <laughs> and Jesse Bain is Sally Stairs, the small town girl with a big time dream to drive a tram. So, you're the little lady who reckons women can drive trams. I reckon so, sir, yes. Well, you're absolutely right. 45% of our drivers are women. Welcome aboard. <laughs> And special guest starring Simeon Blackwell as Jilks, the old-timer who's seen it all. If by all you mean a lot of trams. <laughs> oh, I've seen such between here, Greg. I've seen bicycles with their wheels stuck in the tram tracks. Push chairs with their wheels stuck in the tram tracks. Mobility scooters with their wheels stuck in the tram tracks. It happens a lot, is what I'm saying. Until one day. So, you came to me. Sam. We need you to drive one last tram for us this morning. And then another eight this afternoon and another 16 tomorrow and then it's the weekend. A story of drama. Sam, I don't know what to do. There's a woman back there riding the tram and she didn't validate her ticket when she got on. Pull yourself together, Sally. I don't know if you've noticed, but I've kind of got my hands full driving this tram. A story of passion. I don't know much about this world, Sally Stairs, but I know this. In every city with guts and heart and a kind of raw vitality, from Melbourne to Zurich, from Antwerp to Croydon, there you will find trams and the men and women who love them. Oh, Oh, Sam, kiss me. Right here, right now, on this tram. I can't, Sally, I'm married. To the tram. No. 
to a lady. Oh, I, I, I'm so sorry. It's a story of trams. Stoppable. The tram story. For the love of God, won't someone stop the tram? Thank you. Yeah, we was always lumped together, uh, me and him, when we was little. Not because we were his friends, see, but uh, because we were ugly. Oh, yeah, no, uglier than sin we were. <laughs> but he, he was uglier than what I was, you see. So he got the flack, you know, teasing and uh, bullying and what have you. And I, I, I know, I just kept my head down and used him as sort of a lightning rod, I suppose. I, it wasn't fair on him, really, but Lord knows he got his own back, didn't he? Because then we grew up and turns out the bastard was a swan. <laughs> that wiped the smile off me beak, I can tell you. <laughs> me horrible twisted beak. Do you believe it? A bloody swan. And a very fine swan indeed. <laughs> Whereas me, what happened to me was what happens to most ugly ducklings. I became an ugly duck. <laughs> Quack. So, the terms we're agreed on, as I understand it, are these. An eight-week-long promotion during which every branch of your burger bars will display posters of our kids' movie in every outlet and give away toys based on our characters with every child's meal. That's right, and the price is $85 million. That's correct. Let's shake on it. Pleasure doing business with you. And with you. Great. I'll uh, draw out the contract. Great, and I'll put some heat under our accounts, guys, to make sure that you get your money ASAP. What? What? Aren't we paying you? What? No, <laughs> we're paying you. <laughs> I-, I thought we were meeting to see if we could get you to let us use your hugely popular movie characters to attract kids to our restaurants. Well, I thought we were negotiating to get your hugely popular chain of fast food restaurants to promote our movie. <laughs> right, right. That does explain why the negotiations were a hell of a lot easier than I was expecting. Yeah, yeah, me too. I mean, you took the first price I offered. I thought you were a pushover. I thought you'd misread your notes. I jumped in before you could correct yourself. I was expecting to pay 100 mil. Yeah, me too. So, who normally pays who? I don't know. I only joined last month. I... I just assumed we paid you. I mean, your movies are huge. Loads of kids are going to come into our restaurant if we give away your toys. Yeah, but your restaurants are everywhere. I mean, loads of kids are going to come to our movie if they've been given toys for it. Yeah, they both sound plausible, don't they? (laughs) Yeah. Um, Okay, look, hang on. I'll I'll phone my boss. Don't they expect you to know this sort of thing? Don't worry. I'll be subtle. Uh, Hi, it's Alvin here. Alvin, how are the negotiations going? Uh, yeah, pretty well, pretty well, uh, not bad. The figure on the table at the moment is 85 million. What? That's crazy! Yeah, I know, it's a surprising amount of money because it's so... So low? Do you need me to tell you that's low? No, no, I know it's low, and of course, for us, that's, um, that's, uh... That's what? Uh, important. Yeah! <laughs> so, don't waste time talking to me, get back in there! Yeah, yeah, get back in there! In order to... Uh, Any luck? Well, she has strong feelings about it. Which way? Not sure. Uh, Look, why don't you phone your boss? Yeah, that's the logical thing to do next, but for the purposes of this sketch, let's say I've already done it and it didn't help. (laughs) Okay. well, as 
as I see it, there's two things we can do. One, toss a coin for it, the winner charges the loser £100 million, and if it turns out that's the way round it usually is, we're both fine. If it's the wrong way round, one of us gets fired and the other one has pulled off the best deal ever. Yeah. High risk, though. What's the other choice? We could divide the money between us, run off to the Bahamas, and stop using toys to bribe children to eat badly. Oh, great, let's do that. You are now standing in the centrepiece of the museum, the Egyptian gallery. But there's no mummy, so hey. However, this gallery does contain what is generally agreed by five-year-olds to be the jewel of the museum's collection. If you look to the left at the big cat with no ears, you will see a funny man in a chair. His name is Rory. He's here to make sure robbers don't steal anything. And look at his nose. I mean, just look at it. It's sort of mainly red, but it's got all purple bits in it, and it's ginormous. Until recently, it was not thought that a man's nose could even get that big. But recent evidence indicates that it can, because this man's has. But two questions continue to perplex five-year-old scholars. How did it get like that? And what happens when he sneezes? Maybe Mummy will know. Let's loudly ask her. Hello, Dr. Aston. Hello, Nora. Welcome. So, how's this week been? Oh, hard. Really hard. Trevor was waiting outside work again today. Said he'd been there all day. He, um, he asked me again to run away with him. Says if I don't, he'll kill himself. And do you believe him? I don't know. He always says that, but maybe this time he means it. So maybe I should. And it's my fault, really. I must have encouraged him. Do you think you encouraged him? Well, not really. I always told him I wasn't interested. But like he says, I was probably using psychology on him. So perhaps I owe it to him to do what he wants. I don't know. What do you think? What do you think? No, no but really, what do you think, Dr Aston? I really need some advice. Well, Nora, you know I can't tell you what to do. It's your decision. What I can do is help you explore it. For instance, when you contemplate running away with Trevor... What feelings do you have about your husband? I know. I, I know Patrick would be heartbroken. But the thing is, he's so loving and nice, he'll find someone else easily and, and they'll be happy. Whereas Trevor, you know, with his tempers and everything, he might not find anyone else. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. And what about your children? Well, uh, Trevor says I can bring one of them with us. Um, <laughs> but only one, because he needs the other back seat for his wolfhound. Um, <laughs> She, she gets sick if she rides in the boot. But that'll be quite good, probably, because then Patrick and me will have one of the children each, so that's fair. Right. Of course, it's possible Patrick would go to court. Yeah, well, that's why we're going to go on the run. Uh, Trevor's already moved out of his house and burnt it down. And, and he's going to follow his dream of getting a job in a travelling fairground. And until then, we'll, we'll just sleep in the car. I mean... When I say it out loud like this, it sounds a bit stupid. <laughs> but when Trevor says it, it all makes sense. Does it? So what do you think I should do? I really can't tell you what to do. Oh, I wish you could. Yep, so do I. <laughs> but I can't. I can only guide you towards what feels right to you. What feels right, and not what feels completely insane. <laughs> Neither of them feel right. I mean, staying with Patrick makes me feel happy and relieved and stops me feeling sick because I love him and he loves me. That's interesting. But it means upsetting Trevor. Mm. 
Whereas running away with Trevor makes me feel panicky and I cry a bit, but I wouldn't have to say no to him, so... So maybe I should run away with Trevor. OK, well, before you decide... I think I have to Before you decide, here's, uh, here's a technique. Imagine yourself a week from now if you've chosen to go with Trevor. So you and your daughter are living in Trevor's car with his wolfhound as he drives around, avoiding the police and hoping to run into a travelling fair to join you. Yeah. Yeah, OK. Now picture how you might be feeling. Do you feel regretful, worried about your kids... Sorry for Patrick. Do you feel like the pattern of self-sabotage we've talked about here for years <laughs> has re-established itself at all? Or do you feel, and this is equally valid, do you feel basically fine? Mm, it's hard to say. Is it, really? Is it? Oh. Um, oh. I think I would feel... Basically fine. Do you? Yeah. Yeah, I think so, because maybe Trevor's turned over a new leaf. Because all he needed was someone who loved him to make him give up the drink and the drugs and the illegal dogfighting ring. <laughs> yes. Yes, maybe. What's another possibility? Uh, I, I don't know. I'm so tired. Just tell me what to do. Nora, I can't tell you what you should do or should not do. All I can do is help you look at the decision yourself, look at it head-on, your loving husband and kids on one side, your arsonist dog-fighting stalker on the other, <laughs> and see what feels right. Tell you what, cough once for Trevor. No, listen. And cough twice for Patrick. Thank you, Dr. Aston. Thank you so much. Just a cough. Oh, was it? I thought you were saying stay with Patrick. <laughs> yes, I was saying Patrick. Obviously, Patrick Trevor's a psychopath. Stay with your loving family and stop deliberately screwing up your life. OK. Right. It's one point of view you might want to consider. <laughs> this room's just more pictures. <laughs> but I tell you what. Go up to the three pointy ones in the middle, put your head on one side, and then repeat after me. Mummy, they've misattributed this triptych to Giotto. <laughs> I promise it'll be worth it. Well, since you ask me through a tale of chivalry, and mysterious strangers. I believe I have something that will meet the case. My story takes place during one of the long, hot summers of which the year 1930 was so unaccountably made up. <laughs> Anxious to escape the heat, I bethought myself to visit Bognor to take the waters and Bournemouth to drop them off. <laughs> I managed to secure a compartment on the train to myself, took out my copy of the Daily Express and spread it over the table so as to keep clean my copy of the Times. <laughs> At that moment, the compartment door was flung open and a stranger burst in. The intruder was a young lady of some 23 summers, but, as I say, it had been a peculiar year, so she was 18. <laughs> Hello there, I said, but at once she put her finger to her lips, frowned, realised she wasn't the one speaking, and put her finger to my lips. <laughs> Pray do not betray me, she seemed to say with her eyes. Pray do not betray me. And then did say with her mouth. <laughs> but, kind sir, if you have any compassion in your soul, hide me at once. I did not have to be told twice. Hide me, I beg of you. But of course she had no way of knowing that. 
without a second thought. I seized the fair intruder by the waist and lifted her up onto the baggage rack. With a second thought, I realised I had not so much hidden her as placed her more prominently on display. <laughs> My third thought, however, was a happier one. And when I had finished enjoying that, I had a fourth thought. <laughs> I opened a capacious travelling trunk I had brought with me, emptied out the capacious swimming trunks it contained, and looked at her meaningfully. She at once understood. And no sooner had she put my plan into action when two ruffinly strangers burst in. One was tall, the other short. One was thin, the other fat. One was hairy, the other bald. One was a dog, the other a cat. No, I'm... I'm getting carried away. Uh, one was not a dog. Uh, the other was not a cat. Presently, the one who was tall, thin, bald, and not a dog spoke. Uh, forgive this intrusion, sir. He purred insinuatingly, his eyes darting around the compartment like a lizard in a compartment. <laughs> but my associate and I were just looking for... for... Uh, our niece. His stunted accomplice supplied. Uh, precisely so, our niece. Your niece! You are then uncles by trade. Uh, we are indeed, sir. <laughs> Professional uncles. And it is precisely in that capacity that we embark, sir, in our niece-seeking errand. Well, what does she look like, this niece of yours, I asked, endeavouring to enter into the character of an innocent traveller? Can you not uh, describe her to me, I added, entering further into the character and discovering he was Dundonian by birth. <laughs> I mean, to, to say her appearance, I concluded, subtly dropping in the starter, which I felt sure my character suffered. Her appearance? Well, um, she looked very much like most nieces look, didn't she, uh, Uncle Scarface? Well, oh, uh, yes. Tell you what she did look like, though. You know them incredibly wealthy heiresses to icing sugar fortunes what are always getting kidnapped on trains? Well, she sort of had that look about her. Did she indeed, I replied, feeling instinctively that in the surprise of this revelation my character would naturally lose both his stammer and his Scottish accent. <laughs> Hmm, as it happened, she did have rather, uh, in the process of being kidnapped, icing sugar heiress cast to her countenance, yes. <laughs> she was always being teased for it at school. Indeed. Then I fear I cannot help you. I have seen no one in the least similar to that description. Why do you want to find her, anyway? Oh, well, she, um, she, uh... She forgot to write us thank you letters. <laughs> Precisely, for the rich and generous gifts we bestowed upon her at Christmas. <laughs> so we just wanted to tell her that she mustn't worry about it. It's quite all right. If I see her, I'll be sure to pass on the message. But for now, gentlemen, I will bid you good day. Of course, good day. Oh, but before we leave, I fear I may have dropped my handkerchief into your trunk. And with that, he sprang lively to my trunk and flung it open. But, of course, as you know, it was empty, for, as I told you, I had taken out my bathing costume just before he entered. Oh, I see I was mistaken. Well, sorry to disturb you both, especially you, sir. As I see, you were just preparing to visit the train swimming pool. Oh, don't mention it. And with that, they were gone. Well played, madam, I said, turning to my companion. May I say those bathing trunks fit you superbly? It was the perfect disguise. She replied, colouring prettily. And thank you so much for hiding me. Those two had caught me. There would have been hell to pay. Yes, it sounds like it. They're clearly desperate fellows who would stop at nothing. I'm afraid so. Naturally, they put on an act for you, but let me tell you, they're actually really strict about getting their thank you letters on time, our uncle's fingers and uncle's garfate. What? I cried, you mean to say they are your uncles? Of course. They told you so, didn't they? Yes, but, but aren't you the heiress of an icing sugar fortune in the process of being kidnapped? Oh, don't you start. I get enough of that at school. <laughs> Good night. John Finnemore's Souvenir Programme was written by and starred John Finnemore, with Margaret Caben-Smith, Simon Kane, Laurie Lewin and Carrie Quinlan. The producer was Ed Morrish. To find out more about the show, why not buy me a few drinks? I could tell you some things. <laughs> <laughs>